good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. I want to give a warm welcome to everyone who is a guest with us today and want to give a welcome to everyone who's joining us online. If you got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and grab it. And I need to hear your pages turning to the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Now, honestly, it might take you a minute to find the Old Testament book of Habakkuk because that's not a place in the scriptures that we turn to very often. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. It's part of a section of the Old Testament known as the Minor Prophets, not because the message is any less important or less inspired. It's just a very brief book like the other books of the Minor Prophets. As you flip through your Old Testament, if you get to the book of Psalms, you're in good shape. Just keep going to your right. If you see Isaiah or Daniel, keep going to your right. If you get to Zechariah, Malachi, stop. You've gone too far. Turn back. If you feel frustrated, don't give up. It's in there. I promise. This weekend is what we call a standalone weekend here at Mount Pleasant. What that means is I'm not beginning or continuing any kind of a message series. We just finished last week a seven-week message series called Love Your Church. And uh, next weekend, we're going to be privileged to have Bob Russell as a guest speaker with us. Now, you may or may not know who Bob is. <clears throat> when Bob was 22 years old, he went to Southeast Christian Church just down 65 in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and it was a very small church of about uh, 120 people. And 40 years later, when Bob retired, it was one of the largest churches in the country with an average weekend attendance of over 18,000 people. And I'll tell you <clears throat> that Bob is just a tremendous preacher. And I'm not ashamed to say that he's been like a hero to me for the last 40 years. And one of the great surprises of my life, honestly, is that he has become a personal friend to me who's been a great encourager to me over the years and a great encourager to me in these last several months as I have uh, made the decision uh, toward retirement. So I'm asking you, as somebody who loves you and hopes that you love me, uh, to make sure that you're here next weekend. I, I would love for Bob to have great crowds in every one of our services, uh, and it would just be a great, great blessing to you. He, he told me what he's gonna preach about, and it'll be a blessing uh, to all of you, and so I'm just really giving you a personal plea and request to make sure that you're here. If you have, you know, you wake up and you think, ah, I'm just gonna watch online uh, this morning, then don't give in to that temptation uh, and come here and be here in person. Then after that, after that next weekend, I'm gonna come back with a three-week message series called Now More Than Ever that just talks about what a genuinely faith-focused life really looks like. But this weekend, I'm gonna talk to you about hearing God's Voice, and I'm going to do that from the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. If you wanted to capture a single a theme for the book of Habakkuk in a single word, then uh, at least from my perspective, it would probably be the word why. And the reason why I say that is because the book of Habakkuk begins with Habakkuk crying out to God for an answer to why God's people are suffering the way they're suffering. Let me give you a very, very brief uh, history lesson when it comes to the Old Testament. When the nation of Israel split into two, after the death of Solomon, there was the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And eventually God punished both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom for their ongoing sin and rebellion. God used the nation of Assyria to punish the northern kingdom of Israel, and he used the nation of Babylon to punish the southern kingdom of Judah. And when we open our Bibles to the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, we come to a time in history when the nation of Assyria is declining in power, while the nation of Babylon is rising in power, and the southern kingdom of Judah is beginning to feel the effects of God's judgment. And so the prophet Habakkuk, as I mentioned earlier, wants to know why all of this was happening. And that's what the Old Testament book of Habakkuk is really about. 
So having said that, let me just ask you a really straightforward question. Have you ever been in a place in your life, and maybe you're there right now, but have you ever been in a place in your life when you just really needed to hear from God? There was something happening in your life and you felt almost a desperation in your life to hear answers from God. That's an important question when we open our Bibles to the book of Habakkuk because it is filled, at least from my perspective, it is filled with multiple lessons related to how people like you and me can hear the voice of God. Now, before I go any further, let me just say that hearing the voice of God, talking about that can be tricky. Because while the Bible gives us many references of God speaking to people in times past where people literally heard the voice of God Literally hearing the voice of God is the exception, not the rule. That's what we all need to understand. Even in the biblically recorded instances where God is speaking to someone, it's not always clear whether they hear an audible voice, whether they hear an inner voice, or whether they get a mental impression when it comes to the message. But the bottom line is, I think all of us need to understand that God does speak to people. Now, my strong belief and I'm sure many of you would agree with me, my strong belief is that God speaks to us primarily through his word. Somebody say amen to that. It's a reason why we have this book, the Bible, the way it's been preserved over the years because God speaks to us primarily through his word. In fact, I'm gonna put a verse of scripture up on the screen. It's Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11. And because uh, we always make the public reading of scripture a part of our service, if you're able, I'm gonna ask you to stand with me and we're gonna read this verse together. It reminds us of the power of 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 God's word, so let's read it. Let me hear your voices. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. All right, there it is, you can be seated. God's word comes to us and it never returns empty or void. Now I wanna reiterate that God's word comes to us primarily through the Bible, but God can and does speak to people in other ways. He can speak to us, for example, through events. I believe that. I, I mean, he can guide us through arranging the circumstances of our lives till we, we come to a point where we think, God, are you trying to tell me something here? Are you trying to say something to me here? Have you ever been in a situation like that where it just seemed like the same thing or the same message or the same direction was coming to you over and over again in a variety of different events and you think, God, are you trying to get my attention here? Uh, sometimes uh, God speaks to us through our conscience. The Bible talks about the importance of having a good conscience before God. We find that in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 and in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 16. And we have, when we become Christians, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, we have God literally live inside of, living inside of us to reprogram and redirect and use our conscience in a spiritual way. Sometimes God uh, speaks us by allowing certain events to happen in our lives that really stop us in our tracks and make us, force us almost towards spiritual growth and a deeper understanding of him. I think of uh, the beginning of the New Testament book of James, James chapter one, verses two and four says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
I could go on, but I'll stop right there. The bottom line is that God is always at work in our lives, and he's always at work in our lives trying to help us discover how we can think his thoughts. In fact, you could say that one aspect of the universal will of God for everyone who is a Christian is that we, in our lives, come to a point where we literally begin to think the thoughts of God. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the result is then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the bottom line is God, God does speak to us. He speaks to us primarily through his word. But it's possible for people like you and me to have a sense or an understanding of hearing from God in our lives today. So let me ask you, where do you need to hear from God in your life today? Again, it's kind of a reiteration of the question earlier, just maybe in different form. Where, where do you really need to hear from God in your life today? Maybe you're like Habakkuk and you need to understand why certain things are happening in your life. You know, the prophet looked at the, the God's people in the southern kingdom of Judah and he, he looked at the suffering and he just was like, why? Why is this happening? Maybe, maybe you can relate to that. You're, you're wondering why, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why am I having to go through this difficult time? Or why, am I loved, why is my loved one having to go through this difficult time? Maybe you've got a big decision to make about a job or a relationship or a commitment. Maybe you need to hear about, from God about something in your marriage or as a parent with your children, you could go on and on and on. Regardless of the specific circumstance, all of us have moments and times in our lives when we need to hear from God. And so Habakkuk, who was a prophet, who was a man who knew how to hear God's voice, gives us in this Old Testament book that's only three chapters long, several lessons, several principles, several truths about how to hear from God. And so we're gonna talk about those this morning. There are five of them, so I'm gonna to have to do this quickly. Uh, and this is not a, in, in, by any means a verse-by-verse -verse study of the book of Habakkuk. This is like backing up and looking at Habakkuk from a distance and picking out some really specific truths in this dialogue between the prophet and God that teach us how we can hear from God. If you're, like, if you're someone who likes to take notes, let's just jump, dive right in, and you write down this first thing. You wanna learn how to hear from God? Then number one, don't be afraid to ask difficult questions. Don't be afraid to ask God difficult questions. Look at Habakkuk chapter one, verses two and three. In chapter one, verses two and three, Habakkuk says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? And then I want you to notice how God responds in verse 5, because this is just like God. He says in Habakkuk 1.5, I am doing something in your day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. Now, here's what you need to do next. You need to see what God is doing, and he gives us insight to that in verses 6 through 11. Let's just look here in 6 through 11. I'm going to read it, and you follow along. And by the way, I'm, I'm using a New Living Translation Bible this morning instead of my normal New, Interna New International Version because I like the way this is phrased in the NLT a little bit better. But here we go, verses 6 through 11. God says, I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their 
charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. Oh, they come on, they come rather, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn at their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone, but they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. Now, everybody look up here. That does not sound good, does it? That sounds horrible. And so Isaiah, or excuse me, Habakkuk begins his book with these questions that can be summarized by the single word, why? And God says, listen, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing something that you wouldn't even believe if somebody told you. Let me give you a little bit of a description about it. And then Habakkuk responds in verse 12. In the first part of verse 12, he says, oh, Lord, my God. Notice how he responds, though. He says, oh, Lord, my God. My Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do not plan to wipe us out. Now, now here's what I, I want to stop and I want to make sure that we're all on the same page because I want you to know something here and understand Habakkuk is not arguing with God in verse 12. He's not shaking an angry fist at God. If you look at it, you have to understand that he's actually speaking to God now in reverence. He says, oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are Eternal. Is that what you, is that how you respond to somebody who gives you really bad news? Or says something you don't want to hear? Probably not. So he is speaking to God with reverence, but he is also speaking to God because he continues to want to understand what's going on. He continues to want an answer to his question, why? And so now it moves to how could it be, God, that you would allow a violent army like this to invade the land of Judah? And so he continues in verses 13 and 14. Look at those verses, chapter 1 still. He says, but you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their, the Babylonians' treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? And then finally, if you scroll all the way down to verse 17 in chapter one, he says, will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquests? Now, here's what I want you to see, folks. Let's stop right there. Habakkuk wants to understand what is happening. He wants to understand what God is doing. And so he's not afraid to ask God some difficult questions. I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes God allows things to happen that we don't understand. Has that ever happened in your life? It doesn't have to be something that happened to you. We something that happened to someone that you know. It could be something that just happens in the world around us. Sometimes God allows things to happen that we don't understand. And it's not just that. It's also things that we don't like. And it's also things that we don't agree with. God, what in the world are you thinking? And sometimes we wish that God would do things differently. Or we wish in some circumstances that God would quit being so passive and that he would intervene. But he doesn't. And when that happens, we can stomp our feet, we can shake a fist at God, we can get angry, we can turn away from God, or we can come to him and we can just pour out our heart to him in honesty and let that honesty involve some difficult questions or what it seems like to us maybe, difficult questions to ask a sovereign God. You come to God and say, Lord God, my Father, my Holy One, why is this happening? We can say, why, what are you trying to teach me? You can say, how am I supposed to respond? You could say, where do you want me to go? And the lesson is this. 
Hearing from God will often begin with a struggle because it will often begin with people like you and me asking God difficult questions. You remember the story of the Old Testament book of Nehemiah? Nehemiah was a slave living in Babylon. He was a Babylonian captive when the Babylonians came, Babylonians came in and overthrew the southern kingdom of Judah. He was carried away into captivity. And messengers came from his homeland saying that the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed, the walls had been broken down. And when he heard that, chapter one of Nehemiah says he just broke down and he wept and he mourned and he fasted and he prayed for days. He struggled until he got this clear idea of what it was that God wanted him to do. And then he responded. But he went through this difficult time with God to get to that moment. We think about when Jesus was crucified. We think about the struggle that he dealt with when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He even said in Matthew 26, 39, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Now, we don't see that in the sense of Jesus framing a question to God the Father, but there is a question that's there that's implied in the statement. The question is, is there any other way to do this? Why does it have to be this way? You need to hear the voice of God. You need to hear from God. Then you need to understand that sometimes it will begin with a struggle. And that's okay. Because it's not wrong for, say, for us to say why this or, or what if or what now. And it's not wrong to express your doubts or your concerns or your fears. Because if you want to hear from God, then you have to be transparent before God. Don't just, don't just say, Lord, you can count on me when you're really thinking, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing and I don't, think I've got the, I don't think I've got what it takes to be your servant in this circumstance or this moment. If you want to get to that point where you're saying, listen, God, I am all yours. I am all in. I'm ready to do whatever I need to do. Then oftentimes you've got to wrestle with God by asking some difficult questions. And God is okay with that. He's big enough for your questions. Here's the second thing, write this down. You wanna hear from God? Then put yourself in the best possible place to hear God's answer. That's the second principle. I want you to look at these words on the screen from Habakkuk chapter two and verse one. So after there's this dialogue between the prophet and God in chapter one, we get to chapter two and chapter two and verse one says, this is Habakkuk speaking here. He says, I will climb up, note this. I love this, I absolutely love this. He says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. I love this. Now Habakkuk's reference to a watchtower or a guard post are symbolic because in most cities in ancient days, stone watchtowers were built along the walls so that watchmen could climb up into the watchtower and see at a distance. And if they could see anybody that was coming, they could see if they were a friend, they could see if they were an enemy, they could see if they were a messenger, they could see if it was an on oncoming, an invading army or anything like that. So the best place to be able to see what was happening, what was coming, what was coming in the city would be, would be like a watchtower or a guard post. And so basically after this exchange between Habakkuk and God, where God says, you know, I gotta, I got, I'm doing something that you wouldn't even be able to understand if I told you. And then they go back and forth and back and forth with what's about to happen. Uh, and Habakkuk has thrown this question out there essentially that is why, why is this happening? He says, I'm, here's what I'm gonna do, God. Now that I've asked my question, I'm gonna put myself in the best possible place I can be to hear your answer. Wow, what a great principle. 
If you need to hear from God, if, if, if you need to hear a message from God or get an answer from God, then one of the things you do after you are willing to ask difficult questions is you literally make sure that you put yourself, spiritually speaking, you put yourself in the best possible place you can be to actually be able to hear God's response. What, what would that look like for you? What, what would you do to put yourself in the best possible position or place to hear from God? Where would you go? What would you do? Here's what it would look like for me. I would open up my Bible and I would read my Bible. I would read and I would meditate on the words of the scriptures. Depending on what the situation was and where I needed, felt I needed to hear from God, I would, I would choose accordingly the parts that I read. But I would, because I believe that God speaks to us primarily through his word, I would make sure that my my face was in his word. My heart was in his word. I would listen to people that I respect and trust. I would listen to preachers and teachers that I respect and I would trust. I mean, sometimes when I'm struggling with something, you know, I'll think to myself, I need to hear a sermon on fill in the blank and I find somebody that I like to listen to who's preaching a sermon on that subject. I would, I would make sure that praise and worship music were a part of my life. I would put in my earbuds and I would, I would lose myself for a time in just, in just hearing the music that honors and lifts up God. Where would it be for you? If you don't have an answer to that question, then you need to find one. And so you just ask yourself, what can I do to prepare and position myself to best hear from God, the voice of God. Someone came to me, some young man or some woman in our church, young woman in our church came to me and said, you know, pastor, I really want to find the right woman or the right man that God has prepared for me to spend the rest of my life in, with. I want to be married. I want to have that relationship. I want to have a family. Then I would embrace them. I would encourage them. I would pray for them. I would support them 100%. But if they told me, so I'm going to, I'm, this is going to be my plan. I'm going to go to the local bars and do the local club scene to try to find that person, I would say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Not that, not, not that someone in a club or a bar can't be redeemed by God or can't become the person God wants them to be, but that's not really putting yourself in the absolute best position to get God's answer to that specific prayer. I want to find somebody who is the best person God has for me to live out the values, the spiritual values and convictions and that I have, we can do that together and on and on. So when Habakkuk says, listen, I'm gonna climb up to the watchtower, I'm gonna stand in the guard post, what he's saying is I'm gonna do everything I can, I'm gonna put myself in the absolute position, best position possible to hear the voice of God when he responds. I'm gonna be ready to listen. If you wanna hear from God, then you put yourself in the best place you can be to listen. Here's the third thing, write this down. And I'm gonna say in advance, I wish this weren't one of the principles. Here it is, be willing to wait. I wish this weren't one of the lessons because we all know how difficult waiting can be when you have this earnest desire to get some kind of an answer, some kind of wisdom from God. But we, we, it's, it's, it's a powerful answer because oftentimes, the wisdom of God doesn't come quickly. You can think of it like this. Sometimes the words of God are prefaced with a moment of silence. But the truth is, it's not usually just moments of silence. Oftentimes it's hours or days or weeks or months 
or sometimes even years. And God reveals that to the prophet Habakkuk. Look at these words on the screen from Habakkuk chapter two, verse three. This is the latter part of verse three. He says, listen, if it seems slow in coming, my answers, my revelation to you, my word to you, if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Now, I read that and I think, well, God, you got a different definition of delayed than I do. And I'm sure many of you would feel the same way. But you see the message. He said, we focus on, he says, if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. Because listen, God doesn't operate by our timetable. We operate by his. And so right after Habakkuk says in chapter two and verse one, after they have this dialogue, the prophet and God have this dialogue in chapter one and, and we get to chapter two and Habakkuk responds by saying, okay, I'm gonna climb up in the watchtower. I'm gonna stand at the guard post. I'm gonna wait to see what you say. I'm gonna put myself in the absolute best position I can to hear how you're gonna answer my complaint. Then God says, okay, good, great. But if it seems slow in coming, be willing to wait. Here's an immutable truth, friends. What I mean by that is an unchanging truth related to living a life of faith. Sometimes God's answers are slow in coming. But God's answers, you know, that's like one side of the coin. Sometimes God's answers are slow in coming. The other side of the coin would be this. But God's answers are always, everyone say always, always worth the wait. Somebody say amen to that. They're always worth the wait. I love this verse from Isaiah chapter six and verse four. Let's put it up on the screen and I want you to read it with me. Let me hear your voices. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. I think I said Isaiah six, Isaiah 64 and verse four. For those who work, who, those who, who works for those who wait for him. God's answers are slow in coming so much of the time, but they're always worth the wait, always. See, the problem is never that God doesn't want to speak to us. The problem is never that God doesn't want to answer your prayers. Uh, the problem is that things need to be done according to God's timetable, not yours and not mine. And so we wait. And as we wait, we remember that God's answers are always the best answers. God's perspective is always better than ours. God's understanding of the situation, of our situation, is always better than ours. So in the end, God's answer will always be better than even the best answer we think God needs to give. God does great things for those who wait on him. One of, the overall arch, one of the overarching messages in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes is that people can't see, people like you and me, we can't see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. We can just trust in what he says in the book of Ecclesiastes, and that is he makes all things beautiful in their time. And so we wait. Sometimes with God, we wait. If you need to hear God's voice, then you need to put yourself in a position where you can, you're best prepared to hear from him. And then if necessary, you gotta be willing to wait. All right, number four, we're tracking good on the clock up here. We're tracking good. And I love this one. It's gonna sound odd, but hang in there with me. Put your thoughts into words and write them down. As you wait, as you're listening, 
As maybe God reveals at least portions of his answer, put your thoughts into words and write them down. And so let me just show you what I'm talking about here. So we, we go back in chapter one, we have this dialogue between Habakkuk and God where Habakkuk throws it down. God, why? Why? And God says some things that were probably really hard for Habakkuk to hear. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of the way it is oftentimes in our relationship with God. And so he says, okay, I'm going to put myself in the best position I can be to hear from you. And then God says, okay, great. Now be willing to wait if you need to wait. And then God adds this, put your thoughts into words and write them down. And, and the reason why I say that is because in Habakkuk chapter two and verse two, uh, we read these words. God says to Habakkuk, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Now that's how it reads um, in the New Living Translation that I've got with me today. Here's how it reads in the New International Version that I normally have. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Okay, okay. Now here it is in the contemporary English version, and I really like it here. He says, I will give you my message in the form of a vision. Write it clearly enough to read at a glance. And I think, friends, this is a crucial part of hearing the voice of God. And again, we're not talking about hearing the audible voice of God. God isn't going to speak to us out loud in a normal voice, you know, to answer our questions. Bob, take that job in Denver. That's not how it works. <laughs> how, how many of you know that more often than not, God speaks to us through impressions? And this is why it's so important to put ourselves in the best possible place, the best possible spiritual place to really be able to hear from God. Oftentimes, God speaks to us through impressions or notions in our spirit that give us direction and guidance. And God spoke to Habakkuk, or basically said, I'm going to speak to you through a vision. We sometimes try to make that a bigger deal than it really is. We sometimes, I think, imagine a vision is like suddenly being transported into a movie theater where we watch the vision play out in front of us on a big wide screen. But that's not how it works. Most of the time, this vision, this perception, this guidance comes in our hearts and our minds. As we're, as we're meditating, as we're putting ourselves in the best possible position to hear from God. Let me, let me just try to give you one really simple example. Last week in the final message of Love Your Church, I talked about a little bit about how the, the vision for the impact ministry happened here at Mount Pleasant. Of course, our impact ministry is what we do um, every Thursday and Saturday at the Impact Center which is a ministry center for food and clothing and, and uh, that has become a church for many people who come on Thursdays and Saturdays. And we have an opportunity at the end of the service to participate in that. And then it's extended uh, across Indianapolis to our impact campuses, which we have, we have uh, three, almost about to have four impact campuses across uh, the city of Indianapolis where we are in neighborhoods with a lot of need and we're trying to provide a really strong powerful church in those neighborhoods. And I told you that this all came when I would go out on Thursdays and share a message from the scriptures with the people who had gathered on Impact Thursday. And I would stand in the back and I would watch our, our volunteers minister to those people in such tender, personal ways. Then I would preach a message to them and they would be so responsive and so engaged. And it just was so powerful. And at one point I thought, well, how can we take this someplace else? And as I, as I thought about that and I prayed about that, then there, I mean, literally there were times when things would come to my mind. And at some point I, I started to write some of those things down. So at one point when I was thinking about how we could do this, at some point on a piece of paper, I wrote down the words, live, learn, and love. 
and that ultimately became a model for these impact campuses because what we do in these impact campuses in these neighborhoods around Indianapolis is we move a pastor into the neighborhood so they can live in the neighborhood where he can learn about the neighborhood, learn the stories of the neighborhood and the stories of the people of the neighborhood, and then we can find different ways to love them. And this is the model for our impact campuses. Live, learn, and love. But at some point, I wrote those words down on a piece of paper. And at some point, I was just uh, studying my Bible, and I was studying John chapter 1. And one of the things I do when I study my Bible and a passage of Scripture is I read that passage in a variety of different translations. And so at one point, I was, writing, I was reading John chapter 1 in the message, which is not a translation of the Scriptures as much as it's a paraphrase. And I got to John chapter 1, verse 14 in the message, and the first part of the verse says this, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And I thought, that's perfect for impact ministries. And so on that same piece of paper that I wrote, live, learn, and love, I wrote John 1, 14a in the paraphrased message of the Message Bible. And that's how this works sometimes. When you need to hear from God, and you put yourself in the best possible position to do that, when God begins to speak to you, when he begins to reveal his, his response, his answer to you, however it might come, then write it down. Write it down. Now, I wrote a whole lot more things down on that piece of pepper that never, ever, never, ever came to be when it came to the impact ministries. But writing those things down helped crystallize what I was asking God to give me in terms of a vision for impact ministries. And so I go back to how this verse is written in the contemporary English version of the Bible. I'll put it up on the screen again. And God says to Habakkuk, I will give you my message in the form of a vision. Write it clearly enough to be read at a glance. Those words clearly enough are not talking about penmanship. They're talking about articulation. Write it down. When you, when you feel like you're hearing my message, when you're getting a response, then write it down in a plain and simple way where everyone can understand. So if you think God is speaking to you about a certain matter in your life, then you, you need to have a moment where you turn it over in your mind and then when you feel like you understand it and it makes sense to you, then write it down somewhere. That's the value of people who journal. I write things in my Bible all the time. I don't know, some people think that's sacrilegious to write in their Bible. If that is, I'm in really big trouble, pray for me. <laughs> but I don't think that's wrong. I write things in my Bible all the time. When I get an impression or a thought, I write it in my Bible. As God speaks to you, However it comes, whether it's through his word or through something someone else says, something you hear, through a conviction that the Holy Spirit brings in your heart, one of the best ways you can do to really understand what God is saying to you, to really hearing from God, is to write it down somewhere. Here's number five, real quick, because I really messed up our time clock with that last point. Be ready to put your faith to work. If you read the entire book of Habakkuk, you'll see that God answered Habakkuk's question. He told him what would happen in the days to come. But he also told him that even though it's going to be painful for a while, in the end, God's going to rescue his people. He's going to save them from the enemies. But that wasn't going to happen for a while. They were going to have to go through a difficult time. And the southern kingdom of Judah did suffer tremendously because of God's punishment that came through the Babylonians. I mean, there's so many pertinent stories in the Old Testament related to this. Read the book of Daniel. Read the story of Daniel. Read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nehemiah chapter 1 and on. There was going to be a really difficult time, but they needed to continue to trust in God. They needed, their faith needed to be engaged to trust in God that he was still in control. 
And so you get to Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, and this is what you read. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms... And there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Even though all these difficult things happen, even though it's going to be a struggle, I'm going to continue to keep my faith engaged. You know, there's something that we've, uh, there's a Christian phrase that we use sometimes, and I, I've said this before dozens of times to someone, I'll say something like this, well, God loves you and he has a plan for your life. But you know what? That's not always fair because we don't fill in the last part of the, the statement because it would be more accurate to say, listen, God loves you and it's planned for your life and it might be difficult for a while. Or God loves you and he has a plan for your life, but it might involve some suffering or some loss. How many of you know what I'm talking about? God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. That's absolutely true. But that doesn't mean the plan doesn't include some really difficult things. God's plan is not always what we expect it to be. But just like God's answers are always the best, God's plan is always the best. And so you have to keep your faith engaged as you're trying to hear from God because the answer might not be exactly what you want it to be and it might be delayed in coming with a lot of difficulty in between the asking and the answer. But you've got to stay strong with your faith. In fact, I'll put these verses back up on the screen. Habakkuk 3, verses 17 and 18, and let's read them together. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I'm not going to let go of my faith. So here's the deal. You need to hear from God. Don't be afraid to ask difficult questions. When you do, put yourself in the best possible place you can be to hear the answer. Be willing to wait. As you begin to hear from God, put your thoughts, put the impressions, put the message into words, write them down so that they make sense to you and be ready to put your faith to work. Don't disengage when it comes to your faith. That's what you need to do. So, so. We're gonna close our service like this today. We're gonna, to, I'm gonna pray and the team's gonna come and we're gonna sing one more song together. And during that song, I'm gonna invite prayer counselors to come down, but it's gonna be kind of chaotic. It was last night. We have a far smaller crowd on Saturday night than we do on Sunday morning. But I'm gonna invite you to come down. If you, if you have a donation to put into the tip jar, uh, I never, I always say, I don't ever ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Then come down, whatever you might have, you can put that in the tip jar. But I'm also going to have prayer counselors down here. And if there's some specific thing in your life happening in your life, if you have some question right now or, or some uncertainty and you really, really need to hear from God, would you let somebody pray with you about that? I know it's going to be odd because there are going to be a lot of people. You know, we love to give. I'm sure people are going to be pushing, shoving, running over other people to get down here <laughs> to put money in the tip jar. But you, you let somebody pray for you today. Don't miss that opportunity, even in the midst of the chaos, because God is still listening, and God still cares about what you care about. Who needs to hear from God today? Anybody? Who brought a question or a concern or a heartbreak or an uncertainty into church with them today? Let somebody pray for you today before you leave. Father in heaven, we love you so much. We thank you for the truth of your word. 
And we all need to hear from you at different times in our lives. And so, Father, help this, help this message and these truths from the Old Testament book of Habakkuk really resonate in our hearts when it comes to those moments and those times in life when we really need to hear your voice. And I pray that if there's somebody who's really, really, really struggling with that today, that they'll let somebody pray for them. I pray for a generous response to Meyer's Simply Give uh, request for the tip jars today. Let's just, let's just really be the church as we close out this service this morning through giving, through worshiping, and through praying. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 